Flush the bombers, get the subs in launch mode. We are at DEFCON 1. DEFCON 1. Cincinnati, Ohio. One more hour and I'll be home. Close my eyes and rest my bones. Can't be more than a mile or so from Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome to the Hunt for Reds October podcast, episode 43, the Don Not Edition. I'm your host, Coop, and we've got a plethora of people here to talk some Reds baseball with you now that the season's over and we got some news we got to catch up on. So we have a guest with us, Doug Gray of RedsMinorLeagues.com and Red Leg Nation. Doug, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm pretty good. I'm just hanging out, talking to Reds baseball, watching playoff baseball. I mean, does it get better than that? It doesn't get any better than that. There we go. We also have Branch. Branch, how you doing? Doing awesome. Uh, yeah, both most the same as uh, Doug yesterday. A little, this game looks like it's turned into a little bit of a dud on it, but last fantastic. So last yeah. night's game was great. Uh, we're that was great. That was so night. much fun. Yeah. Here's yeah, the. I'm doing good. Here's the thing, Paulie. How you doing tonight? Here's the thing. I'm I'm living a dream, Coop. Doug, welcome back. Good good to have you back, my friend. Uh, Reds fan. I hope you're all enjoying the past. Uh, the postseason so far, like I am, I love the postseason throughout October. Yes, the Reds aren't here, aren't there yet, but that should not hold you back from enjoying the postseason. So live in it this October. That's my best advice. That's some solid advice, I think. Woo, you're back on tonight. How are you? I'm doing good. All <laughs> solid. Uh, Ryan, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. As I've said before, uh, can't spell the hunt for Reds October without the word cunt. I'm so happy to be here. <sighs> Burmy, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing great, Coop. Sorry. I got uh, I got one TV on the playoff game. I got one TV on some hockey and a cold the bat. I couldn't be uh, living any better. You're oh, hap- I want to give go ahead. Give a shout out to Ram at on Graham. Shout out to Ram. So we got some uh, some interesting news the other day. The Reds have hired the Reds hired Kyle Bodie from Driveline Baseball. He's the founder of that institution that helps uh, pitchers with different aspects of things like trying to increase velocity, spin rate, uh, do some different kind of exercises uh, with pitchers. Two of the biggest proponents of Driveline Baseball have been Caleb Cotham, who used to pitch for the Reds, and is now a coach, was just promoted to the Major League staff, which we'll get to in a moment. And Trevor Bauer, who used to pitch for the Indians, now pitches for the Reds. I want to get everybody take on what I think this hire means for the Reds. He His title is something about pitching initiatives and director of something. I should probably have done the research. That's that's an official title. <laughs> Director that, of something. That is, that is not the official <laughs> title. I'll, I'll just chime in and tell you yes, the official Doug, title. Yes, Doug, go ahead. He, he's the Director of Pitching Initiatives and the Pitching Coordinator for the Minor League Farm System. Uh, both of those are only minor league uh, titles. For the most part, he's only going to be working with the minor league guy. Um, he's going to be taking directions from uh, you know, the, the big league staff, mm-hmm. Derek Johnson and Caleb Cotham, working with them to try and just kind of get the same – you know, ideas filtered all the way down from the very top to the very bottom of the farm system. So, Doug, if I, if I heard you correctly, much like Pete Rose, he's just going to work with the miners. I love you for that. <laughs> so that was a good that was yeah. a good save by Coop because Doug came in and just bitch laughed him. That was great. <laughs> but was no, funny. but ser- but seriously, uh, I know there were some other clubs, specifically the Cubs. Who were trying to hire him so this is kind of a coup for the cincinnati reds uh Polly, here's the thing give me your thoughts on how you think this will help the reds with their pitching going forward here's the thing i read a quote from kyle and he said it was a no-brainer on most for him it wasn't a, that's not a direct quote but he was like he saw most um movement or most like initiative by the reds as an organization than any other organization that he interviewed with and it, the reds excited him actually to be able to work with them. You know, so that made me like, was that? I'm going to say excite me sometimes too. Well, they excite me a lot, but <laughs> sometimes not, but it, you know, but 
and, and Trevor Bauer had a couple quotes I really enjoyed too. It made me excited about what the Reds are doing for themselves. And he knows Trevor Bauer says he knows how excited Kyle is for this opportunity. And in quotes, they've the Reds made a clear investment in player development for themselves. And this will pay off rapidly for them. And that was direct quotes from Trevor Bowers. So whatever the fuck this guy can do, let him do it. <laughs> let him do it. Seriously. Uh, so I, I'm very positive about this move. Ryan, give me your thoughts on driveline baseball in general and the new hurt specifically. I fucking love it. Um, number one, fuck the Cubs. Um, I'm really happy that they really wanted to hire him and he didn't. He didn't take their uh, he didn't take their means of employment. Um, I, I think it's great. Who are the two top prospects in the red system right now, Doug? I mean, I, I've got them as Hunter Green and Nick Ladulio. Boom. Boom. Both, both pitchers, right? Yeah, both yeah. starting pitchers, both with huge potential. Um, I think I think it's great. I think it's a great hire. Um, I mean, give it up to, for Caleb Cotham too. I mean, he basically was a, you know. Uh, yeah, I think Caleb Cuffin he was, has been he a, was one, yeah, I, I think, a starting I, pitcher. I think he's been an underrated hire, especially. I, I think so, too. And now that he's going to be so on the major too. league staff, which, again, we'll get yeah. to later. But I mean, it, it almost seems like they're setting him up to, to take over for DJ in case DJ ever leaves. Cotham, yeah. That's just my thought. Yeah. I, th- I, I agree with that. Burmy. I hear it's statistically proven that Bodie will cut down minor league Tommy Johns by thirty three percent. So I'm all seriously. No. <laughs> Doug, no. <laughs> Doug, can you fact check that real quick? Uh, I mean, I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm just going to go ahead and go on a limb here and say no, that is not correct. I mean, it sounded good. It sounds great, but you know, I I like to deal in facts and no. <laughs> Uh, branch <laughs> all right this this was an absolute coup of a hire um it was it sounds like a lot of you don't know much history on Bodie. uh and i've been kind of following him for well years now well since he started his initial blog back in like 2009 i think 2008 he's an interesting dude uh he's a college dropout he basically got into thinking about pitching and biomechanics and all this while he was monitoring the xbox live network working for microsoft um he moved from uh, outside of cleveland ohio to seattle because that's where his girl was during that whole process um kind of put together this this little what what is come drive line uh from you know from nothing and didn't do well that well with it all the time uh but but really learned a lot of stuff uh when he got into how the mechanics worked he had to teach himself linear algebra enough to understand it. The very first time he put together a biomix lab, it was actually using PVC pipes in the in a the damn you know hallway plumbing aisle of a Home Depot, and to kind of figure out what he could do and put it together for a lot less money than what a fifty thousand dollar biomechanics lab would cost. He's on the forefront of. Fitting, uh, you know, he started with the sleeve, but now it's shirts and whatnot, and 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 pinpointing everything in actual three D and two D, because you can get a lot from two D, but you can't get as much. You can get a lot more from three D, uh, with every axis. Shout out um, to Phil. Yeah, he's <laughs> this. This is, this is absolutely huge it, for the Reds to do it. I have to say, you have control because that's what's kept him from going to other teams. When, you know, heck, I think it was back in 2013, maybe, uh, on the year, but he, the, the Tampa Bay Rays came out to see him and they're playing tonight. And, you know, their GMs like talk, you know, kind of have an interview and he wanted to, and they're, the way he explains it is their GM wanted to hear him say they have a great pitching development program. He didn't quite say that. He's like, I don't have enough information to tell you that. You all have put out some really good pitchers. But I can't say you have a great development program without the information. And he pretty much saw how the 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 that interview was going and kind of went, well, I guess I'll be working for a major league team anytime soon. And, you know, even then, the GM of the Rays told him, he said, you might have to change this from the outside in. You can't do it from the inside out because you're getting rid of 
you know, your typical pitching coach just sitting there going, push off with your back leg more, you know, extend this, curve your back, which really when you're talking to somebody, that's stupid. That's that's not, okay, it's coaching, I guess, but it's kind of dumb. What he's going to do is go down and go, okay, you need to do this. You line your spine up more like this, do this, and then wear this suit, and we're going to see how you make these improvements, and we're going to add some velo to your ball. Then we're going to that sounded so dirty out of context. Ball. God, what? Yeah. Straighten your spine, I mean, wear this suit, velocity yeah. to your ball. It, it sounded dirty in context. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's it's this is absolutely. I'm telling you, this is groundbreaking. What what's an erotic scene? If the Reds are going to give him permission to do this, and it looks like they're going to, it's, it's a, such a departure for the Reds to 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 give this kind of control to something because. You know, whispering in somebody's ears is Walt going, well, I can scout me a guy. But the new inefficiency is the player development. I mean, at one point, uh, he took, Bodie took, you know, basically, let's let's say three sets of 10 pitchers, both high school and, and collegiate level. You had a, a one group that was their control group. They didn't do anything different than normal practice with the normal coaches. They started out pitching something like 70 miles per hour, which is pretty normal for high school and college pitchers that was their average velocity the second group uh did a, another program that was supposed to increase velocity and it actually did go from like 69 miles per hour to 72 miles per hour nice the group that went with what yes. Bodie was trying what what he thought would work and ended up really working what started out at like 72 miles per hour you know velocity and they ended up with an average velocity of 79 miles per hour that's a huge jump and this is stuff with the, the weighted balls, with the throwing max effort every time into a net of long toss and and really trying to strengthen it up. And the injury rates did not change. They were the exact same. So injury is going to be there, and it's always going to be a concern. But, you know, this since pitch limits have come in, how much has injuries went down? They haven't. You know, about right. what, 2003, we started seeing pitch limits on anything. And, you know, don't don't increase people's pitching by more than 20 innings a year this whole thing it hasn't changed anything what 2014 doug had the most uh, blown out arms or 15 than any other season something like that yeah you know? well here, here's what's weird is i'm just going to jump in real quick with this one this year is the lowest two decades in terms of major leaguers that had tommy john surgery in a season hmm. that, that is that is strange but anyway i'll wrap up this is an amazing hire absolutely <laughs> amazing reds fans should be extremely excited about it it's this is this is getting on, you know, Astros level hacking stuff. I mean, he was a consultant for the Astros. How's that team working out? You know, and they actually hot be consulting with any other teams. People will be going to the driveline and working with his other coaches, but he's ours for the next two years. It's amazing. I'm, I'm so stoked about it. And I'll shut up now. Sorry. To ramble on. <laughs> no, you're fine. Woo. Wrap this one up. I mean, the Reds competed against uh, the Cubs and that's for his services. So, you know, they can compete with some bigger teams um i think this is you know as everyone said a, a big a big sign I, I i agree with that uh especially from the aspect of the red you know done the best in terms of pitcher development over the years they've had a couple don't get me wrong but struggled as well so uh you know pit, uh, you know dj and the, and the pitching program coming along I, you know it's nothing but good news and you know should attract even more people to come pitch in cincinnati and and get away from that that band box you know fear of, i'm not gonna go pitch there you know it's going to ruin my stats. You know, we've seen it this year. If you're a good pitcher, you can excel at uh, Great American. So, uh, this is nothing but good news. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but free spin rate is only going to help breaking pitches bite faster or harder. <laughs> That's just, what she said. Just look but, at Verlander, right? His right. spin rate and what it did to his career. I mean, when you're talking about pitching in a ballpark like Great American, you want you want those balls to break more. You you don't want people to barrel up the bat. I must have yeah, been right because no, I mean, nobody. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I mean, look at Sing Ray. Everything he throws literally falls in the dirt, and the, the better it spins, the better he pitches. So, I mean, that's the way you combat pitching in Great American Ballpark. Everything's got to fall away or fall down, and, except for fastballs. Right. Well, yeah, except fastballs. But yeah. Doug, I wanted to ask: Have the Reds been using the pitch tracker system this year in the minor leagues? Yeah, they've been using it for a couple of years now. Okay. Um, I believe that it was 2016 was the first year they got it. 
Um, they had it in Louisville, which is the AAA affiliate. Uh, and then the next year, they had it in all the full-season leagues. Um, and it's been at every level. I mean, even in the Dominican Summer League for the last couple of years. So they, they've uh, had which it. Which one are they on now? They, 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 which one are they on now, Pitch FX or TrackMan? Uh, TrackMan. They've been yeah, on TrackMan okay. for years and uh yeah I, I don't know if anybody else has read this or heard about this but um major league baseball is moving away from TrackMan next year um they're going to go to the uh the hawkeye system which is what they use in tennis um it's it's more similar to the pitch effect system with multiple camera angles and stuff where TrackMan tracks everything by radar uh when it comes to the minor leagues though at, at least for the next couple of years the plan is to still stick with TrackMan, um and then you know, depending on how the Hawkeye system works out, uh, it, it may be that they look into in the future as far as minor league stuff goes. But for right now, it seems like all the minor league teams, not just the Reds, like pretty much across the board, um, teams are going to stick with TrackMan uh, for right now. So, so then, you didn't ask me about the, the hire. I just kind of chimed in on a few different people's things. <laughs> go I've, ahead. Got, I've got some thoughts. I want to hear your thoughts. So uh, I, I, I do want to address... The whole idea with, you know, that, you know, we were talking about, you know, the weighted balls thing and the, the Reds have been doing that for a while. That's not something that, you know, Kyle's going to be bringing to the organization. Uh, the Reds have contracted out things, worked with driveline for years and years now. Um, you know, they've sent multiple pitchers out there for the last couple of years. The Tony Sangrani out to try and learn a, a second pitch forever ago it didn't work i don't he's hard-headed and just wants to throw a fastball 100 percent of the time um but the, the reds have they've, they've been they've had that relationship for quite a, i think that that's one of the reasons that probably helped them land this is that you know kyle was at least somewhat familiar with the organization and kind of where they've come from and where they're going um even before the official interview process went down because they, they've worked with kyle for for several years now and then of course you know he's got the relationship with caleb cotham and trevor bass here um so th that's that's always good that you know he kind of knew what he was getting into. Um, I, I do think the thing that I like to hear the most is setting up a plan for every pitcher that's individualized uh, from the top to the bottom. Now I, this isn't something that is necessarily recent um, in terms of like this year, but I, there are some things that I've seen in the past, some stories that I've heard in the past where. I mean, the different pitching coaches in the nation had completely different philosophies from one level to the next. So you'd have a guy who would be doing something in, say, Daytona and having success, and then he'd get promoted to, you know, double A. And the pitching coach would change everything about what he was doing that was making him successful down there. And then, of course, that guy would struggle because that's not who he is and it's not what he's having success with. Um, but, you know, you'd hear stories like this over the years. I mean, this is, gosh, I'm really old now, so this is like my 13th or 14th season covering the Reds farm system. And, I mean, I, I've heard this multiple times from different pitchers, different scouts. Um, and, I mean, it, again, it's not something I heard this year at all from anybody. But, you know, with the track record the Reds have for developing pitching, which I think I'll agree is absolutely terrible, yeah. um, it, it's very good to hear that they've kind of, at least they're, they're trying to come up with a plan, a, a system that's not only individualized for each player, but is going to keep them on that same thing. And it's not going to be just, hey, this pitching coach threw a sinker really well 37 years ago, so he's going to teach everybody that. Because I think for a while there, they that's pretty much what some of the pitchers or the pitching coaches did in the farm system. Uh, they tried to turn everybody into the same guy at that level. But then they'd go to the next level, and they'd get completely different instruction. And, I mean, it's really hard to develop talent that way. If you're not getting something that's built around what you can do, that's not going to work. And if you're trying to just push everybody into the same thing, but then you go somewhere else and, well, that guy's got a different idea of what everybody should be. Uh, is there any wonder that the Reds struggled so much to develop pitching? I, don't, it, I really don't think so. It just so that, seems... That's the thing that jumped out to me the most is that, you know, he, he had the plan, or at least he stated that the plan get everybody with their own thing. And, you know, we, we, we saw, you know, one, one of the pitching coaches in the minor leagues got let go. Um, Two of them, I, in fact. Who was the other one? Danny Garland. Oh, Jeff and Jeff Cicero. Yeah, yep. you're right. Yeah, and those are, those were the two guys at the very top. So, and I mean, there there could be a lot of different reasons for that, but the Reds. I've said it before, and I I don't I don't think I've said it on here because as Coop always reminds me, I don't come on here often enough. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the Reds have noticed it, or at least it feels like they noticed whatever we were doing before with the development wasn't working 
they've gone through a, 10 to 15 changes in their scouting and development over the last 18 months. And I mean, Doug, Doug, would you think, think it's fair to say that, that they, they went they're, they're transitioning from, you know, just the good old boy network of baseball to an actual analytical and science approach, you know, to baseball overall, because, you know, as you said, well, that coach down double, Oh, he could do this and it'll, it'll be fine. And just let that kid work with that. Then he gets another thing as soon as he moves up, you know, would that be fair? Yeah, I don't know if I would quite make it as, as stringent as that. Um, I, I do think that they're trying to definitely go in a different direction that's more analy- analytically inclined. You know, I, I think that, I mean, Dick Williams was saying stuff like this, you know, four years ago. Uh, I, I really do find it interesting that it just feels like, um, I don't know, the start of 2018, that the Reds really started to take a different direction. And I really do wonder if that's not kind of Dick Williams and his guys actually got real control of the organization. Because it just seems that, like, on a dime, everything that they were going about was completely different than what it was before. Even though Dick Williams kind of took over as the quote-unquote general manager, you know, he was still under, you know, Walt Jockety for that first year. And, you know, Dick was in these things, and it said they sounded good, but they weren't really – when you looked at what was happening, it seems like none of those were being implemented. And then it just like almost on a dime, it just feels like they switched the way they were doing everything. And, and maybe this is just me talking out loud and making things up in my head. I don't know. Uh, you're never going to get anybody on the record anytime soon, at least. It's going to say something like that and verify it or deny it or whatever. I mean, people, but people got eyes, though. It, it, right. It yeah, just, you can see it. Observance, yeah. It just feels like something was very different. So I think that's a good transition into the next topic, which is the overall changes, not just uh, Kyle Bodie, but Turner Ward, hitting coach in the major leagues, let go. Billy Hatcher, who this year was the outfield and base running coordinator, uh, he wasn't on the major league staff. He was let go. Been with the Reds for like 14 years. AAA manager Jody Davis, AAA pitching coach Jeff Asaro, AA pitching coach Danny Darwin, and then the hitting coordinator all not coming back. What that tells me is, like you were saying, Doug, is this is a paradigm shift in how the Reds are going to develop players. When you, when you couple the hire of Bodie with these, a lot of them former players being moved out, uh, I'm kind of excited to, as to who is going to replace them. So I wanted to start with, uh, let's start with you, Burmy. What are your thoughts on the shift, not just with the, the Bodie hire, but with the people they let go? Yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of uh, for a lot of Reds fans, you know, most of the names are pretty irrelevant, other than Billy Hatcher, just because he was with the big league club for so long. Um, what they've been doing hasn't worked, and since <clears throat> I mean, I know they made the wild card game in 2013, but after the amazing 2012 it was kind of a letdown. Um, but you know, the last six seasons have been very subpar. And they showed improvements this year with a, a little bit of a fresher, um, you know, way of going about it, you know, a little more progressive, um, you know, style and hiring a younger manager, which people will also argue is nepotism, but whatever. Um, you know, someone who embraced a little more of the analytical side of the game and not so much just, you know, the old the old school hardball. And this to me says that the Reds are committed to trying something new. And there's no need to be afraid of trying something new when what you're doing is stagnant and doesn't, you know, is clearly not working. So I think it's positive. I think Reds fans should feel positive about what's going on with the organization right now. And, uh, you know, if you're one of those Reds fans who listens to this podcast and you don't think that these changes are good, take a look at the AL wildcard game and name 10 players on both teams combined. You can't because it's not necessarily about the name of the player. It's about how you use them. And if they're used properly, you can find success. Woo. I, I think, you know, just to, to, to double back on that, yeah, it's nothing was working, right? Um, I think also it's, you know, you're seeing change of the guard, but, uh, you know, Turner Ward being like it was kind of surprising, right? Especially, I guess, how contested or or a, a big win that was last offseason for the Reds. I think you're seeing some accountability, too, as well. Right? Look where they've cleaned house a little bit. Um Look where they've, you know, with our last topic, you know, invested a little bit more. Um, pitching was really successful this season. Hitting wasn't as much. Um, I, I think that's, 
you know, you'd say, oh, the manager, why didn't you get rid of the manager? I think that's, you know, obviously a different equation there, and it comes more into how he's using the players and that aligns with the strategy, and I think you're seeing a lot of that. Um, it's good to see at the end of the day, right? You want the Reds to do well, and if they aren't doing well, you want to see them trying to address that problem and keeping the same coach doesn't really invigorate hope, so to speak. Um, so, I, you know, I see this overall as a positive. I see this as, again, um, things we wouldn't see in the past. And in, in, in tying back to what Doug said of, you know, Dick Williams and his crew being in charge, I think it's just another sign that this front office has gotten with the times and is heading in a new direction, and that should excite every Reds fan. Not all, but we'll be excited by that. But I think it should be really exciting, uh, especially for, you know, how borked this rebuild was and trying to salvage it. Uh, I think this is nothing but good news overall. Well, and here's the thing. Polly, give me your thoughts. Here's the thing. First and foremost, I love Billy Hatcher. Always will, no matter what. But it's a changing of a guard. And I agree with both of you guys so far. It's a This is a positive movement. And the Reds are realizing that they need to change. And they are changing for the better. For the better. And there's accountability, especially with Turner Ward gone, thank God, because the Reds could not hit, hit in situations at all this year. And that was a big problem. And so that's what I'm thankful for. Um, this is this is positive. Uh, I love Billy Hatcher's bu- uh, bubblegum bubbles, but the Reds' base running has been terrible ever since he's been on the coaching on the base paths to me. Oh, it's been um, terrible for years. He was a dusty guy. And, like, I mean uh, – he was. I always thought Billy Hatcher was here to make some players happy, and I always thought that player was Brandon Phillips. And when he was gone, I was surprised they kept Billy Hatcher around. Can I? Uh, can I just say one thing? As much as you know, Turner Ward was not a success this year. They did score five more runs this season than they did the year before. So I, I, I just, I sat up and I was shocked. They scored seven hundred and one runs this year. They scored six hundred ninety-six runs the year before. That I, uh, could have been five wild pitches. I don't know. I, I don't know where the runs came from. Well, I just thought you, it was fascinating. But you always have to look at that also in relation to the rest of the league did and where they ranked, right? Of course. Of, offense, course. of offense overall of goes up. You know, that's not exactly. I I heard Lance McAllister. Of course. Of course. Lance McAllister said this stat earlier tonight as I was driving my daughter home from her bowling. The Reds scored five more runs this year, but they hit fifty-five more home runs. So that <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't compute. It how many one game loss? I mean, one game, one, one run, run losses, game yeah. losses we have hot. And I mean, like five. How runs, many solo like more runs, runs did they hit? I mean, Jesus Christ. Well, I think it the philosophy of not getting on base. Yeah, well, I swore is what yeah. like like 15, 16 first inning home runs. Was anybody on base for more than three of them? I think Vado was on a couple times. Yeah, so probably Vado. Other than that. I feel like nobody was on base when he'd do it. We'd have a one nothing lead mm-hmm. at the end of one. It's like, yeah, because Suarez went deep in the first inning. Okay. But there's never anybody on base when they hit these home runs. That, that was the tough part. Ryan. By Turner Ward, I was excited when you were hired. But, um, you know, sometimes things just don't work out. Uh, Billy Hatcher, you know, you should have been gone when Price was fired. I don't, I don't really know why he was brought back. Um, as far as the other guys go, you know, some sometimes – Sometimes it's just the stink off of you. You know, the Reds, are, I mean, they're, they've gone through a really, really bad stretch over the last few years. And most of these guys were either hired right about the time it started or, you know, a little bit before. So at some point, you, you got you to gotta jump in the shower and get the dirt off so you can come out and be clean. And that's what I feel like this is. I feel like it's even more of a clean slate for this organization. And... I'm excited to see higher. Shout, um, shout to Todd, by the way, about uh, jumping in the shower and cleaning yourself. Yeah, Todd. You should do that more. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's what I see. This. I see it as one of the final things that, you know, you just need to get get the, the losing culture out of the organization. And hopefully, hopefully it's a change for the good, and hopefully the organization goes out. And uh, I'm sure we're going to touch on it later. And changes their philosophy as far as the free agent market. That is the next topic. And we can put and we can put a winner on the fucking field. Branch, your thoughts on the the overhaul and the minor league coaching? Don't let the door get you in the ass on the way out. That was much better. Thank you. I'm excited to see what happens. Strung out. Shout out to Todd. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Doug, I wanted to circle back to you. Uh, not only with the change in 
the organization when it comes to coaching, but you mentioned earlier about the, the overhaul of the scouting department. Uh, the Reds, up until a couple years ago, had a terrible run of drafts where a lot of the high-end picks just never panned out. What are your thoughts on the direction we're going from a scouting perspective? Well, I think that the stretch that the picks didn't quote-unquote pan out was just bad luck. I mean, in 2012, their first-round pick blew out his shoulder. He's a pitcher. Fortunately, that happens. 2004 was the year they took Nick Howard. Well, he got the yips. You can't scout somebody getting the yips down the road. Like, that's not a thing. Like, you cannot predict that that's going to happen. And, I mean, that right there, I mean, that's two of your, that's two guys out of three years in a row. Well, in the middle of the year, 2013, is when they drafted Phil and Michael Lorenzen. Um, that's what Philip Philip Urban took a long time to get there, but he's there now, and I feel that most people would say, it, at the very least, he's a useful big leaguer. I mean, he may not be a star. He, I mean, I think there's some people that may not even believe he's going to be an everyday guy. I might be one of those guys, but, I mean, he was drafted in the 20-somethings. Like, that's, if you get a big leaguer out of that, that's pretty good. I mean, I we have this... We, we romanticize this idea that if you have a first-round draft pick, they should be, you know, an everyday player. But the reality of the situation is half the guys in the first round barely get a cup of coffee, much less become True. a useful bench player. Um, I, 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 I've always been on the side that, you know, the Reds actually have drafted well. The problem with the Reds drafting over the last decade and a half is that they drafted a superstar. But they've done really well at actually drafting major league players. And hopefully with the Everybody. coaching changes, they'll be able to develop some of these guys that they've drafted. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's where they're trying. Mm -hmm. That's 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 everybody, the new inefficiency is development. I mean, that's that's what that's what this yeah. is all about with with everything with, with Bodie is is the new inefficiency is in development. And there's been throughout the history of baseball, development's been the one that's like oh, that's kind of tough to deal. With. I mean, Hale Branch, you know, revolutionized everything with uh, development when he decided that uh, you know what we're going to have a farm system. You know, and there was people going, oh, that's stupid. Why would a team have a farm system and spend money on that? There was people saying that then. And, well, Mark, you know, Mark Schott said that two decades ago. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> Burmy, it sounded like you wanted to say something. Go ahead. Well, I, I just think a lot of people don't understand how baseball drafting works. They want to equate it to football or basketball. A whole different area. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, not even, it's not even close to the same fucking thing. You know how rare it is to go out and draft a Bryce Harper or a Mike Trout? It just happened to you know, occur a couple times in the past decade. Don't go out there and get a guy that will be here in two years and you know, will be the superstar that you want. You know, Baseball's not full of Zion Williamson's, assuming he's going to be a superstar, but I think that's probably a pretty fair assumption. Or, or LeBron James. Anthony Stuff Davis. like that. Like, Anthony, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, Come on, Kentucky, you know. goddammit. He was supposed to be a Buckeye, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> but, <Fuck> uh, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, I, I think a lot of people don't understand that baseball is the true definition of you know draft and develop. It's a, an actual process. It's not Joel Embiid saying it's a process. It's an actual fucking process. And I think if people actually just took the time to understand that you draft Philip Irvin, you know, like in the twenties, like Doug said, and he ends up being a serviceable guy who plays 60, 70 games a year, whether it's pitching or not starting over six, seven years, that's a lot of value for that spot. So, no joke. All. I mean, Doug, how big of a value, really, with where he was drafted at is Tyler Molly? I mean, I, I mean, he was a seventh-round draft pick. The yeah. Even, he pitched one inning in the major leagues as a win. It's insane. It's insane that, 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 that he's even where he's at, you know. I mean, you know, here, here's, here's a good example I use. Tony Singrani was a third-round draft pick. And I feel like Reds fans in general talk bad about him, about how he sucks and he's terrible. I, I haven't checked this year, but coming into this year, he was literally the most valuable player by war taken in that round that year. That was a third round pick. Yeah. You guys want to hear something? It's, it's insane. It's crazy. Go ahead, Ryan. Nolan Arenado was a pudgy shortstop coming out of a high school in California. And that young pudgy shortstop was drafted behind – Somebody you heard of, his name is Billy Hamilton. Well, and Kevin Gosman with the Reds. Just, was, think if, just think of that. Think if that one pick is different. Kevin Gosman, who... I mean, it's totally different. Yeah, he got a, got a few... He that game with everybody, though. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Kevin Gosman was I a know. fourth I, yeah, overall pick. Like that. Fourth overall pick. Yeah. And he's yeah. in the Reds' bullpen. Yeah. 
Yep. Anyway. And Phil Irvin, you know, you, you know, you know, Doug brought up Phil Irvin. Phil Irvin was drafted, you know, in the twenties of his draft. You know who else was drafted in the twenties of his draft? Mike fucking Trout. Yeah, but let's let, let's point this out. Mike, <laughs> Mike, Mike Trout wasn't even the first player taken by the Angels in that draft. No, it was Randall Gritchick. That's the craziest thing about like the MLB draft. And there's a an athletic article, and I, it was probably Trent that wrote it, but um, one of the Reds. Player, old player development guys. There, it was an article about uh, Votto and how they, you know, basically how they chose and hid Votto to try to, you know, make sure that they could get him where they did. And somebody in the article mentioned, if you can get four major league players out of a draft, that's a successful draft. Yes. If you can get four, just four guys to make the major leagues. And, these solid contributors just to make the major leagues. That's it. That's a, a successful draft. So, so Dick Williams was interviewed. I think it was by Bobby Nightingale Jr. with the uh, Inquirer, talking about free agency. And here's a direct quote from Dick Williams, as told to the Inquirer: "To go out and sign an open market free agent to big dollar multi-year contract is not something we've done, but it isn't something we'll shy away from. You have to define how big is big." That's what she said. Given our market size, we want to avoid deals too big to digest, but we understand how to compete for talent on the free agent market, which is a part of the strategy this year. We made some trades to get good players. We gave up young talent to do that, but we got guys like Trevor Bauer and Sonny in trades. Now another part of the strategy is to compete in the free agent market. Listen to that and compare it to the Reds and free agency the last five, six, seven, ten dozen years 15 this is, this is completely different and welcome i mean how many times has the zach dukes of the world been the big free agent signing so i want to start with you Wu. dick yeah yeah <laughs> dick says the times have changed what does that mean to you that means break i mean breaking history breaking the mold at the end of the day realistically and that's what the franchise is looking at there's been no position player significant free agent signing ever in the modern era uh, whatsoever. Um, it means... I mean, core probably. I mean, I mean yes, he's a pitcher, and that's the biggest free agents get, yeah. right? Uh, nothing in terms of a position player of significance. Um, it means spending more money, right? It means, again, you know, it's not directly correlative, you know, but you spend more money, you're going to have a better result in the field, generally speaking. And they, they are where they're at in the rebuild and the moves they've made. They, they have to, they got to go out and spend. So, you know, I said it for a while, they should be spending, in my opinion, if they're not spending 20 more million dollars season, then, you, you know, you can say that's arbitrary. You can say, why are you just picking that? It just, that shows a commitment to me that they're committed to try to win. Still, you don't have the history on the side and it, I want to say they're going to do it, but until they actually do hard time, believing it's going to happen. And God, I hope it does. But it's I, just one of those things. It's a Cincinnati thing at the end of the day, and I don't know. I hate being uh, cynical too, but you almost want it before you believe it. It sounds great. I love that they're actually talking about free agents. Before uh, uh, it was the Reds have no money and talking to no one. Yeah, and, and it'd be great if you know some people cover the Reds could get off their horse of the Reds are poor, don't have money. That's it's a load of you know load of crap. You know, uh, jump yeah, um, there's plenty of money available there. Um, I think you know, that you, narrative, the, the Reds had like the, the, what, the 19th largest payroll this past season. Yeah. You know, this whole they could, narrative, they could spend a $20 million more. And they're only going to move up a few notches. I mean, that's just the, 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 the economics of baseball and where it's at. Right. This whole narrative of the Reds are poor. The Reds aren't poor. They just don't have as much money as other teams, but they've got plenty of money. This well, yeah, and the argument that the the Reds got they their value out of the season. Yeah. They have I was looking at some numbers that you know they have basically in a nineteenth salary you know uh, salary there their their payroll is nineteenth largest. Uh, they had nineteenth best record and they had the nineteenth best attendance. So yeah, what to pay for? Exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, in a way, yes, but you can say they got their value out of the season. You know, if you're looking at a money, so they're not poor. They 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 could go spend. They could go over for a few seasons, right? I get it. You can't beat the Yankees every, but, but goddamn, you can. Window approaches, and we're here. You got to push your chips in and and go for it. And you couple that with the millions that are coming off the books: the Homer Bailey, Matt Kemp money, the 
it's 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 almost impo- like they have so much money available. I know you still have arbitration stuff to go through, but there is a, a massive pool there that they can go out and be aggressive and not go that much beyond where they're at now. Right. Like, and, and there's a lot of roster things where they can make some decisions that lead them down some paths that make me wor- worried. Well, we got a right fielder, and now we could platoon out who you know who this and who that. Um, they they got so much, but there's there's a ton of money sitting there, and they need to spend it. And anything else is just every fan should be infuriated, insult to us if they don't branch i'm pretty uh, ecstatic about that i said this has been a that that paradigm shift we keep on talking about in 2018 which i think happened from the trade deadline in 2018 to reds fest in 2018 when billy hamilton hamilton was finally let go i think that's when dick nick really took over as doug was saying at some point it happened um i think they're gonna spend some money I, and that's what i've been saying every week on this podcast spend the damn money uh, off the top of my head i mean even if R goes really wrong with current what they got, they're probably looking at ninety million. If they push that to uh, hundred, if they push where they're at this year, 126 up, let's just round it out at one hundred fifty million. That gives some serious leeway to 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 be in a market, some good free agents on a on a high AAV. I don't think they're going to be able to compete in the 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 years thing there. That's what I think Dick was referring to. With the you know whatever they're not handcuffing themselves you know basically too bad to a lot of years where an injury can just kill kill you because of that contract but it does open the door to the grand dolls of the world and stuff like that that where you're taking a little bit less you know high av and they can compete with those guys and those are higher still hiring guys you know i don't think we're going to see a cole or a, a rendon but you know right under that we could see some guys come in and it's got me pretty stoked about it because if they have a hundred fifty million dollar payroll, that's a that's a lot better. That's going to be a lot better season. I mean, it just it just is. Money does equal wins, and it's going to be a lot better season. Doug, what do you uh, think about the Reds potentially being contenders in the free agent market? I'll believe it when I see it. Um, I, they've never, ever, ever competed in this market since teams actually started spending real amounts of money. I mean, we got to go back two and a half decades before you see them actually try and compete for any higher in free agents. Uh, you know, as was mentioned, Cordero is the largest free agent signing they've ever had. He got $48 million over four years. Yeah. That's 12, that's 12 million. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are, Max Scherzer's making $42 million this year. Now some of that money is deferred, but again, he's getting $42 million a year. That's almost what Cordero got for the entire length of his contract. And that's far and away the biggest contract the Reds have ever handed out. Now that's not to say that the Reds haven't been out there trying to make bigger i mean who knows we don't hear too many rumors about that uh but i mean if you're out there losing over and over and over for two decades uh, then you're doing something wrong you're not really trying you can't actually be trying that many times in a row it's just impossible no Uh, absolutely yeah I, i just i just don't believe that they've ever really given it an actual attempt and you know if they're not going to go out and win does it really matter and i mean win in in the free agent market You've got to. I mean, if you're if you're going for a yeah, you're probably gonna have to pay somebody a little bit more to pitch here than they are in say Oakland or Anaheim, where you've got a big ballpark in a division full of big ballparks. But that's what you got to do. If the Reds plan on the field, you're gonna have to add talent to your team. And to completely ignore the free agent market, uh, that's incredibly stupid. So it's good to hear them say that they're gonna go out and do it. Now they just have to do until, it. <laughs> yeah, until you actually go out and do it, it it's just talk. And you know that's it's you know, maybe. Maybe the free agent thing out, and they have to go back to the trade market, and that's okay. We've seen the Reds do this, you know, before. They've gone out and they've made a trade and extended Sonny Gray. You know, they've they've paid guys like Eugenio Suarez, Joey Votto, Homer Bailey, King Griffey Jr. before before those guys. Like they've spent actual real amounts of money on individual players here and there. So it's not that they don't have the idea or the understanding that you know when you get that premier talent to pay for it. Like I, I don't think that that's an idea that's just so far beyond their realm of possibility, but they've never done it in the free agent market before. And when you when you go about it through trades, you're giving up money and talent. Mm-hmm. Where the Reds need to, I mean, realistically pay for the talent and then keep the minor league talent or the major league talent if that's what you're having to give up to acquire somebody that you want to extend and pay. Uh, it, it's just easier that way. Well, and here's the thing, Polly. Here's the thing. I totally agree, Doug. Uh, just, I'll believe it when I see it. I 
excited about it. it and it, to me, it it shows that the front office there's no more like no more connection or, or tying tying to to Walt Jockety or the old guard. Like the, the, it's now or never. And like this this new front office, this new aspect, this new sightness, this new sight they have is data driven and. It's going to, I hope it pays out. And if they're going to jump into the agent market, they need to do it now. And they need to put up or, or shut up and just do what they've always done the last two decades of just under 500 baseball and hope for next year. I'm excited. Burmy. You guys think this old guard Polly keeps referring to will send Coop a 1919 Reds hat? I hope not. This is the best rivalry <laughs> on Twitter. No, they, they are team national <laughs> bastards. Not a chance. Oh. I think they I think they enjoy well, teasing me. I uh if I can quote the economist, Coop. Oh Jesus. Go oh, ahead. Dear God. You have you have to spend money to make money. So I'll just leave it at that. Ryan, wrap our free agent topic up. Fellas, I am so excited for the Cincinnati Reds to sign Alex Gordon and Russell Martin free agency this year. <laughs> oh god. Stop. Cannot fucking Stop. wait for it, guys. Stop. What about Hashtag make what about scooters. Hashtag make a wish. Hashtag make a wish. <laughs> We're gonna bring back Jose Iglesias. Oh, you could Freddy I'm Gavis. about to hang up on you now. <laughs> um, all joking aside. Hashtag send him to the gulag. <laughs> League average payroll this year was uh about one hundred and thirty seven million dollars. Reds didn't even reach that. The wild card game that's playing tonight has two teams whose payroll is about thirty to fifty million dollars less than what the Reds are paying out right now. So I don't fucking care what they do; just win some fucking ball games. I don't care how much you're paying your players; they perform on the field. With that being said. What you put out there this year did not win enough ball games. So guess what? Go spend some fucking money. Bring in Grandal. Bring in DD, and stay away from fucking Alex Gordon and Russell Martin. Or I swear to God, I will. I will just fucking die. I'll be tired of them. I'm just really tired of them. They they do this bullshit every year, and then you got Faye who comes on like like last off season. They said we want to up our payroll, and then Faye came on and was like, oh well, they're still fucking poor. So I'm just I'm I'm sick of no John Fay you're something. fucking poor. Like I'm just tired I'm just tired of hearing lip service I want to fucking see it. And Ryan Ludwig getting eighteen million dollars is not good enough. Well, I'm the only believer on the panel tonight. I believe they're going to spend some money. Well, and if you believe, I want them to I want them I to go sign DD. I, I want them to sign Grandall. I want them to trade for fucking Mookie Betts. Like this is shit that I want to see them do. They don't got no, what it takes no. for bets. They don't have what it takes for bets. More. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Oh, Doug, jump in here, Doug. One year they do. Okay, so Doug, Doug, look, I brought this up like a month ago. Last time I was on the pod, we we had stopped recording. Branch and Kev and me and and Coop talking, and I brought up the fact before anyone else that Mookie Betts was going to be on the trade market, and. Yeah. I I do think they can do it. I don't think they will. I think they can. They got the system to do it. I think it's only one year deal, really. So it's a one year deal. It's not worth anything. Yeah. Like it's it's just worth the, it's literally worth the the shitload of money you're going to pay him for that one year because he's going to free agency. Doug, convince Doug, us. Wait, so I'll shut up. Convince us we can get bets. Well, of course you can get bets. One, the Red Sox need to cut payroll. Bets is probably going to make thirty million dollars, <laughs> so they're going to want to cut that. Uh, if the Reds are willing to take on the entire amount of the salary, that's going to mean that, hey, you don't have to pay as much. Uh, now, Mookie Betts is one of the five best players in baseball right now. Uh, you know, over the last four years, five years, the only player that's been better in terms of war, war. Yeah, the only player that's been better according to war over the last five seasons is Mike Trout. Like, and Mike, Mike Trout's been a lot better, but Mike Trout's a little bit. He's better than everybody at everything ever. Uh -huh. So there's that. But I mean, the the price is going to be high. A lot of teams are going to want Mookie. He's really freaking good. But you're telling me that the Red Sox are going to be like, no, we're not going to take Nick Lodolo and Jonathan India, and you have to pay Mookie Betts $30 million next year? Of course they're going to say yes to that. It's going to be easy for the Reds to do. It's going to be painful because he's going to cost a lot in terms of what you're giving up. But, yeah, they can do it. And let's be honest. Why shouldn't they do it? 
you know, the, the Reds didn't go out and trade for Trevor Bauer for 2019. Like they understood, they're not they're not as stupid as people seem to think they are. Uh, the playoff odds for the when they traded for Trevor Bauer was five percent. The Reds knew that. I promise you, they knew that. They knew they weren't trading for him for this year. Sure, if lightning in a bottle happened, they then Trevor Bauer would have made a difference. But they traded for Trevor Bauer because they want to win in 20. They're going for it in 2020. Uh, everything is pointing to that. Now, whether it's going to be like, oh, you know, we went out and got Shinsu Chu in 2013, kind of go for it, or if they're actually going to go for it, is a different story. But I really do think that the front office and hopefully the ownership, since apparently they're going to be spending more money, is willing to really go for it. And trading for a guy like Mookie Betts is, I mean, that he's a difference maker. And, well, this offense sucked, and that's why the hitting coach got fired. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he can change a lot of things and fix a lot of problems. And it's only a one-year commitment, so the Reds aren't really, quote-unquote, locked in long-term on that because apparently that scares them for some reason. Um it, it, it makes so much sense to try and do it. I mean, it, it just does. Doug, so my my goal is actually trading from the major league roster. Some. Okay. So, and, and this is just me looking at the Red Sox and what they need to be a good team on the field. So, and they have a, a shit ton of bad contracts, especially on the pitching side. So, what if, let's say, we started with, Jesse Winker to fill Betts' roster spot. Tyler Malley, who is a young pitcher for the rotation, which they only, which they don't have very many of those in their system because their system is not very good at all. Uh, so those two. Then you can add in Iglesias, who can close ball games for them, which was their biggest weakness this year. And then you get India and another prospect. I'm thinking like maybe like a Mike Ciani or. Even a, you know, Vladimir Gutierrez, something to that effect. So, somebody who's not in that top tier. I mean, what that still lowers their it still lowers their payroll. It fills spots for them on the team. I mean, and top, it helps get them under the luxury. I mean, to top of my head, I feel that that is, I don't, Jesse Winker, I think they would play. They, they'd split him up between actually playing in the field and designated hitter on some days. Um, right. I, I I don't know what what use they would have for Tyler Malley. I mean, it's beaten around. Well, Porcello is end up, coming off the books, so yeah, they but, have a spot in the rotation. But he's not good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the problem. But he's I, I, but he's I mean, young and he's controllable. He's I mean, that young though. I mean, it's not like he's twenty two. Was he twenty five? Gonna he's be twenty five, and I mean that, that's not old necessarily. And it's not that Tyler Malley's really bad, but he's not good either. He's your fringe fifth starter who kind of goes back and forth. And I mean, if you're the Red Sox, is that really what you're shooting for here? Well, to be I mean, fair, he, he's, he's he's quote unquote young and controllable. But if you're not going to if you're not any good, what does that matter? Like to, what, what's what's I mean, the the big problem with Malley is that he gives up a million homes. That's yeah. not going to change going to the American League, much less the American League East. I mean, he might give up seventy four home runs next year pitching in that league or in that division. I mean, to, he, he does not have a put-away pitch. To be fair, to go back to something you said earlier, 25 is too old. Shout out to Jeremy. Oh, goodness. Well, I, I just, <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think that the Red Sox would be interested in a guy like Winker. They'd clearly be interested in Iglesias. Um, so that, you know, they know that he's locked in for, you know, was it $9 million next year? But I... I, I, I think that if they're going to be trading for major league guys, they're going to want more certainty with whatever they're getting back. They'd probably shoot for one young and controllable guy rather than taking a few of those guys from the Reds and on $11 million in salary. They'd just trade for some somebody else's you know, 23-year-old whatever position player who is good but not great in the leagues and then a few prospects. That, that That's what I think that they would probably do. Uh, rather than take the Reds' offer out there like that. Well, you were supposed to make us feel better about trading for bets, Doug. Well, I, I think that the Reds <laughs> can just, trade for bets. I just, I'm, just I'm not sure that that's kind of – if they're going to take on the salary like that, I, I think that they would look in a di- direction than what the Reds have to offer. Now, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, maybe the Reds threw out, you know, top prospects and say, you know, a guy like Amir Garrett or Robert Stevenson, a young – ish not necessarily young a guy who's not really in arbitration yet who's not making much money they can help their bullpen yeah i, I really do think that they from what i've been reading they would they need to cut like 60 million dollars in payroll 
So even taking on a guy like Iglesias, while that helps save some money, they still have to move so much. I'm not sure that unless you threw in a really good prospect along with that or a really good young player who doesn't make any money, that it really makes sense for them. Let's move on to the Tom Brenneman Memorial Cornhog of the Week. This is where we go around and nominate the biggest dick of the week. Polly had to drop off, so shout out to Polly. I'll, I'll say Willie Taggart for you. Uh, but um, Woo. Zing? <laughs> give, me, give me your Cornhog of the Week. I'm, it's not a, I mean, it's people. I'm going to piggyback a little off last week, but some news from, I think, today or yesterday or whatever. This organization is just uh, holy. They're like the Bengals of baseball. And anyway, so I nominate them. It's a sh- shit show over there. And there, that's that's mine. Well, and to piggyback off of that, did you see what somebody texted uh, that yeah. Pirates beat writer? Yeah, that's what I'm referring to. <laughs> it's, yeah. If you it's hit, like an internal war going on right. in between the city and and within that franchise. It's oh my god, they're If you haven't read bad. about it, go read it. We won't get into detail on here, but like like we said, that organization's messed up. Like they're guys wanting the the city to get involved and audit the teams. To, I don't know. It's weird. So Pittsburgh Pirates, all right. Branch, your uh cornhog of the week. New York City barbecue. Well, technically that's not barbecue. Because I don't care what they say. It's they, not barbecue. They, they hurt animals and make it taste bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, Doug, give us your Tom Brenneman Memorial Cornhole of the Week. I, I know who you want to say, but who will you actually say? Uh, I'm going to go with our president, who is a complete psychopath. Yes. <laughs> you know what? I usually go with the no politics, but this week... <laughs> Fucking meltdown. <laughs> He's tweeting through it like me on uh, trade deadline night. We're, we're definitely putting that one on there with no other explanation. <laughs> Burmy. <laughs> Ryan, that was fantastic. Yeah, you had a total Twitter meltdown, but you got over it. You got yeah, fucking over yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. If you call me tweeting at Puig with uh, telling him I always love him, uh, I'm not sure if I'm really over it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just stopped talking about it in public. <laughs> My, my my cornhog memorial nominee for this week. We everybody's familiar with the phrase "Don't tweet at recruits," right? You know, don't tweet at yeah, high don't tweet at recruits. Don't tweet at recruits. You're a fucking weirdo. I guess the professional sports version of that is don't tag a player if you're going to drag them about their performance. Shout to Borf. What? No, no, no. Borf, does, <laughs> no. Borf, Borf doesn't do it in that way. Borf just makes fun of them as individuals. I know, I know. That, that was a joke. That, yeah, and that's fine. But if you're going to tweet it, you know, let's, you know, we can we'll obviously, you know, stick with baseball here <clears throat> and say, you know, this guy sucked all year. And, you know, like Tucker Barnhart just tweeted about can't wait to play in October. And some fucking idiot goes, yeah, maybe as a backup. Why? Why? That's so unnecessary. And then when someone calls you out for it, you claim to hit 230. He knows he hit 230 this year. He would obviously like to improve on that. It's not intentional. The same fucking people that tag their favorite wide receiver when they only have eight fantasy points and go, you suck dick this week. Yes, because I'm really sure that that guy intended to have a bad week because it's only his career and it's only very short. And you you don't don't tag him. You don't tag them, so you're like subtweeting them. So then they have to vanity search. They know you really got to them because they're searching for their name. No, so. if they vanity search, they vanity De- search. De- yeah. Dexter, Dexter Fowler, and Harrison Bader do that shit. Well, I don't know what's <laughs> worse, the God Frazier, the guy who tweets it. The guy who tweets it recruits. I don't care if tagging them. Just don't tag them in it. The guy that tweets it recruits, or the guy who tweets about fantasy football at the player. I'm not sure which is worse. I mean, I'm going to go with recruits because they're kids. But if you tag Keenan Allen the one bad week he has for you and tell him to kill himself, you should probably, you know, find something more fulfilling in your life to do than be that distraught over fantasy football. I'd like to drop in and say, uh, ideally, Tucker Barnhart is playing the Reds as a backup catcher in the Red season. So that's, <laughs> that's, to- that's, that, that's totally okay. Yeah. Ryan. You're not, you're not tagging him. Ryan, you're cornhole. Uh, yeah. My corn hog of the week are the men in Jeff Klein Schmidt's mentions. Oh, there's some thirsty so it's people. Kind of a, it's kind of a yeah, it's kind of a collective award. 
No, they, they been, are bad. But but you know all this but, but they have been on a roll this week. But can I say something about Je- Jessica Kleinschmidt? I like her. She's but, okay, uh-oh. But she's not really that wonderful of a reporter. You know, as, I mean, she's okay. Send all of your hate mail to at VW. No, yeah, that girl, who's you, the girl that does, whatever, does the stuff for the... the, the Emily Walden is incredible. She is amazing. Emily Walden yeah, is incredible. I'm not saying this in yes. a sexist way, but Jessica Kleinschmidt is kind of not that great, and no. she steals people's you can, stuff sometimes. <laughs> you can criticize people, and it's not sexist, Branch. Yeah. If you have a criticism okay. of someone, well, you can have a criticism of them. She steals people's content. Woo, your say. thoughts. How? <laughs> what are we talking about? Kleinschmidt. <laughs> sure. Doug, your thoughts? No. <laughs> Uh, well, for my Cornhog of the Week, I think I'm going to go with uh, whoever the asshole was that got me sick. But that's was not going to... Was it your well, kid? I was going to say, what the hell It probably was. It probably was. school and brought it back to you. Yeah, so who got my kids sick who got me sick. Well, no, it, it, it's your fault because you chose to have kids. So that's blame right. yourself. I mean, all right, so I can't put that on there. <laughs> I can't blame my kid. So uh, let's see. We got Pittsburgh Pirates, New York City Barbecue, Donald Trump, and Recruit Tweeters. Is our choices? Is that good for everybody? We got to have four, right? That is That's four. Five? Okay, I got on the count. <laughs> I think There's, I was counting. Your, I, I think I'm, I was counting yours no, no. in my head. I'm low key mad because recruit tweeters, recruit tweeters, ninety nine percent of the time. It but it's not gonna. It's not gonna beat Trump. So, do we really want to put that on there? Well, we could go with electoral college. No, we're, we've, we're only going to do oh, a political Jesus thing. Christ. Woo, woo, there's three things I hate in this world. Donald Trump and people who can't count. Yeah. Damn it, man. Well, the poll is going to be popular vote, so you never know. Uh, so that'll, uh, that'll about wrap up this edition of the podcast. We'll go around the room here and have everybody give thoughts. Let's start with you, Burmy. Give us your final thoughts. Yeah, I'm excited to watch the postseason. Um, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how Everything plays out. Maybe we can get a nice new champion. I think baseball does have a great amount of parity in terms of, uh, you know, it's not always the major markets winning or the same boring shit looking right at you, NFL and NBA. Um, other than that, I'm excited for hockey to start on Friday. The Blue Jackets first, uh, you know, games on Friday night. I'm excited for the upcoming hockey season. And uh, yeah, pleasure being on. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Coop. Hey, no problem. Ryan, give us your final thoughts. Hug your families. Hug your pets. Enjoy your week. Because you just never know. Die in the garage. Woo, I'm give dying your, over here, guys. Woo, give us your final thoughts. Uh, two things. Uh, uh, the Good Place is back on. Awesome comedy on NBC. If you can check it. And uh, also, uh, enjoy postseason baseball. For me, personally, it's my favorite time. one of my favorite times of the year. And uh, uh, between now and the end of the World Series, I don't have to wake up every day terrified that the Reds are going to re-sign Iglesias as their uh, everyday shortstop for next season. So well, I'm going to take this next month or so and Living bliss. Currently, the Ray, currently the Rays lead the A's five to one with two outs in the bottom of the sixth. When you hear this, you'll know when we were talking. Branch, your final thoughts. Uh, I'm actually just ecstatic. I mean, the season ended Sunday, and the Reds have made some major changes. I mean, Doug had stuff to write about two days after the season. That's just amazing. I'm 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 pumped. I mean, it's this this paradigm shift, whatever we want to call it. That's happening with the reds really excited about them and i'm and i and it's got me pumped up for the offseason and what's going to happen you know i mean and plus the playoffs are awesome um so you know hopefully uh you know it won't just be you know i i kind of like to see the dodgers go down in flames just because uh but but i'm i'm really excited as far as the reds go it's it's been this Bodie hire hiring you know the whole whole thing that they're doing in the, probably 18 months it's just been amazing and i'm really excited about it. it it's it's good it's good things and it might be good things to come I'm trying to be positive because i'm tired of losing guys and hopefully just go spend just go spend the damn money you need to spend to get the players we need to actually you know get to the playoffs next year that's it doug your final thoughts i mean i'm kind of at the point where i can't wait to see what the reds do next i mean the season's been over for what three days and they've made headlines every single day. I, you can't sign players yet. You can't trade for players yet. So I don't really know what else they can do. But it seems like they're wasting absolutely no time to already start getting things going for 2920. And I'm excited for that. Uh, go play off baseball. 
Hug Your Family, because I thought that was a good one, too. Yes. My final thoughts. Uh, first, I want to give a shout-out to the sponsor of the podcast, the Cincy Sports Gallery. Go see Cali for all of your Pete Rose memorabilia needs. Also wanted to give a shout-out to... From $14 and down? You see, Birmingham, we almost made it an entire podcast. That close. We that's, were that close. No, that's, that's literally why I did it. I was like, fuck, I haven't made a really bad joke yet. God damn it. <laughs> well, next time, don't. <laughs> I mean, we were this close to the perfect podcast. And you know, were we, though? No. Is this like the perfect phone call that I keep hearing about? <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> so, for Doug Gray and Woo and Branch and Polly. And Ryan and Burmy, this is Coop saying we'll talk to you later. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, where the river winds across the Mason and the Dixon line.